Today, we'll be speaking with Bruno Jimenez. He'll get us started with an introduction about himself, and then we'll jump through the talk about the minimum wage and its relation to political preferences. I hope you enjoy the talk. So I'm Bruno Jimenez. I'm a senior research specialist at Princeton University. Uh, I work at the... I do research in development economics, um, mostly focused on um, labor markets in development in developing countries, um, and mostly in Latin America. What are the different opinions that economists hold about the minimum wage? Okay, so the the first uh, big question um, that uh, economists focus on it uh, is related to the employment effects of the minimum wage. So uh, economists often uh, diverge on their stance on whether the minimum wage causes um, disemployment, that is, employment losses. And I guess that you could mostly map economists' opinions in three broad categories. There are a, a bunch of economists that um, believe that the minimum wage, um, increasing the minimum wage, that is, uh, causes employment loss because uh, it increases cost to employers, so it is optimal for them to reduce their personnel, and thus uh, it reduces the overall size of the employed labor force. Then th there's another strand of economists that believe that th this is not necessarily true, and they, they believe that uh, increasing the minimum wage can have, can have uh, no effect or even positive effects on uh, employment, and th the reasons are very diverse. Um, for example, there can be different uh, adjustment mechanisms. For example, firms could respond to minimum wage hikes by increasing their prices. So um, that could prevent the um, employment losses. And I guess that there's another group of economists that believe that we should probably take a more nuanced view on, on this and, and take each minimum wage hike um, individually. For example, it's, yeah. it is very different increasing the minimum wage by, uh, I don't know, let's say, one or two cents per hour is very different from doubling the minimum wage or increasing increasing the minimum wage during a recession is very different than increasing it uh, during an economic boom. So um, perhaps th that is an, a, another approach that economists have, like um, trying to look at each case uh, individually. In your research, you can touch on more broadly, but also your specific country of interest, Peru. What do you find are the effects of the minimum wage? And please reference both the impact within the labor market, but also to the economy as a whole. Okay, so um, it, uh, my own research um, is, it mostly focuses on, on Latin America. Latin American labor markets are um, very particular in some regards. Uh, we find very high levels of um, em employer concentration, that is, very few employers in, or, or very powerful employers in many countries and industries. For example, there, uh, there has been a lot of research on that on, um, in Peru and in Colombia showing that um, there are actually very few large employers. So that that has a lot, a lot to do with the effects of the minimum wage. So um, consistently in my own research, I found that for Peru and in a very specific minimum wage hike, uh, there were no um, disemployment effects. That is, uh, increasing the minimum wage hikes does not seem to be associated with uh, decreasing employment levels. Um, so it, it, 
that, that is the first thing we have to answer because once we understand that, we can go beyond the labor market. So for example, if the minimum wage uh, did trigger employment losses, that, that would trigger a lot of the costs that are associated with unemployment. For example, crime, for example, um, decreasing in, in employees' health uh, and so on. Um, so w once we find that... Um, any effect of the minimum wage or or no effect, um, we can then start to ask what other things did change. So, for example, if I had found that um, there were disemployment uh, effects, I I could have wondered, well, uh, maybe um, this triggered mental health costs because unemployment uh, is negatively associated with that, or it could have increased crime. But since I did not found any evidence in that direction, I started to wonder what, what could be positive effects of, of these um, policies. So uh, one thing that I tried to explore, and I believe that uh, there has been very limited evidence on this, is uh, what happens with people's views on the, on the government. So um, I found that people's views on the government improve after this minimum wage hike which kind of makes sense if you think of a policy that increases people's wages without any evident cost on, on their uh, employment probabilities, then it could be attributed as a good performance by the government. And from these findings, you know, you found this positive relationship between the two, but is the minimum wage and labor markets a priority for these Latin American governments, or is this just something that a relationship that just happened to occur? Oh no, it, it, they are for, for the labor markets are for sure a priority. Now, um, this is interesting because w w when you look at um, a develop a developing nations, at less developed nations, um, where economic needs are a key priority, um, you expect the, the effects of policies like this to be much bigger than in developed nations. So to put it in another way, uh, most of these countries might be more sensitive to labor market policies. So in that sense, they could, the people's response, political responses to these policies might also be very large. So yes, for, for sure, increasing the, the minimum wage and other related policies are a government response to some economic needs. So uh, for example, there there's a research paper showing that um, throughout the early 2000s, uh, real wages in, in Peru sort of stagnated, which is a, a bit of a paradoxic finding because um, GDP uh, grew very, very fast during that time period. So in a way, the, um, this policy and related policies are uh, an attempt by the government to tackle the issues like this. So yes, doing this is a priority and uh, the public sees that um, the government is invested in doing this kind of stuff. So I, I believe that that is why they respond by increasing their approval of the government. So just to be clear, you mentioned that in the early 2000s, there was really fast GDP growth with slow wage growth. And you mentioned mm -hmm. this is a paradox finding. Mm -hmm. Can you touch on why this did happen and why wage growth was not catching up to the GDP growth? 
that is actually a very interesting question, but unfortunately, I do not have an answer. I would um that there is a very di difficult subject, and the research on that is a bit limited. Now, th there could be many uh, different alternatives. For example, um, an increase in market power could have made that that GDP growth translated more into um, profit growth for firms rather than um, wage growth. But I, I, I honestly do not have evidence on that, so I would prefer not to comment a lot on that. So, yeah. Now, touching a little bit on the United States and mm -hmm. sort of the comparison to these Latin American economies, what is different about the relationship between the economy and political preference when you compare a country like Peru to a country like the United States? I would argue that um, qualitatively, uh, there's not a big difference. That is, um, voters in the United States have been found to respond similarly to um, economic shocks, for example, there, there's a very interesting paper showing that uh, American voters react to oil prices, um, which which are uh, are related to the, their own economy, right? When, when, when oil prices are really high, household economy does not look that good, and uh, voters punish um, uh, politicians for that, even when they do not have um, any influence over oil prices. So, um, Summarizing, uh, um, voters in developed nations are also prone to reward or punish um, politicians by how the economy is doing. The, the difference uh, is, is more of a quantitative difference. For example, there's research in Peru, well, like my own research, or there's another paper in Uruguay that show that the, the findings are particularly large. I think it's it can be rooted to the fact that household economy in developing nations is a bit more volatile. Um, and uh, um, individuals have less money. So whenever you have less money, you're more likely to punish or reward bigly for uh, for changes. It's it's not the same to, to get, a, uh, I don't know, say a $1 increase in the minimum wage here than to get that in Peru. That would be rewarded much more in a poorer country so that's pretty much the, the difference it's quantitatively not necessarily qualitative so as a country like peru grows gdp increases um and it becomes a wealthier country overall will will this political are you saying that this political preference tied to the economy will slowly start to separate as we as a country becomes more and more uh, of a first world developed country yes i believe so at least to some extent i believe that part of it will always remain because that is actually very healthy for um voters to be able to punish or reward um politicians to some extent for uh, the performance of, of their economy but yes i believe that uh when countries get wealthier and their economies become more stable they're um likely to do that in a smaller magnitude yes and after doing your research what are some misconceptions about latin american economies specifically regarding wage that you heard and that you think are false uh, i believe that one major one is that um 
minimum wages and employment regulation are necessarily bad. I'm not saying that they're necessarily good either, but I, I believe that it deserves a case-by-case case, case evaluation. Um, and you often have policymakers at both sides saying that we should increase uh, labor market regulation or, or saying that we should decrease it. But I don't think that the answer is that clear. So I, I, I think that giving a single policy recipe for each problem is is a bit of a misconception. And we, we really have to dig deep to the um to understand the current situation of labor markets before providing any pertinent policy solution. And as these are developed countries that are changing rapidly, what have been sort of the recent trends in employment in labor markets in these Latin American economies? And what trends do you think we should expect moving forward from these regions? So I believe it is highly heterogeneous, but, th but there are some, some things that we could um that we could generalize. So in the early uh well in the late 1990s, um we saw a very uh, a picture that didn't look very well for for um, employees. Uh, but it was somewhat reversed in the um early 2000s we saw um rapid decrease in, in income inequality a rise in in, in uh, average wages uh, across most countries in latin america at least and that trend that positive trend um stopped uh after the 2010 uh, around that date so after that, we we've seen a stagnation in workers' uh, conditions, um, which has not really improved that much. And um, well, of course, it it is hard to say because we are now in a post-pandemic period where things are a little bit weird and it's hard to do analysis because we don't really have a lot of data on similar situations. And while we see an improvement, I believe that we're not in a trend as good as we were in the early 2000s but it's really hard to predict what's going to happen uh, onwards um if i just if i had to say something i i, I would hope that um we got back into a positive trend for workers in which we saw employment gains um formality gains income gains and uh, decreasing inequality um and i am a bit optimistic about that, but I I, I would think that uh, we need a little bit more time to see how this post-pandemic labor market looks like. And, you know, I'm not sure if you made this clear, but what do you think led to this stagnation in the labor markets? Well, uh, many of these countries, for example, at least Peru, for example, it's very dependent on uh, certain export products, uh, produce a big exporter of gold, silver, and other natural resources. So um, in the early 2000s, there was a big boom in the price of these commodities that um, that we did not see in the uh, after 2010. So that, that could drive at least part of it. Um, Another thing that happened was that uh, many countries experienced a 
really big expansion in higher education. And while the effects of that are a bit contested because uh, quality was not necessarily the best, it, what it is true is that um, it created a big group of, uh, of individuals with higher education. So that, that was also something that accelerated pro progress in the labor market. But it's, it's a one-time event to put it in some way so it's, it's it's once the gains of that are are over it's kind of hard to keep seeing that trend and now that there's the fear that these more developed countries the united states g7 nations could be entering recessionary periods mm -hmm. is there now a fear in countries like peru who are export driven economies they provide a lot to these nations that the labor market could struggle and that the economy as a whole could struggle Yes, yes, that is definitely a concern for sure. Also, yes, touching on that matter also, um, the entrance of China into uh, international markets was also very big for um, countries like Peru, for example, in the early 2000s. But, but these are one time against events. So, so um, the, the opposite is also true. Whenever they, whenever they expand or they open, it's really good for uh, exporters. But whenever the opposite happens, we we can expect um, depressed labor markets too.